Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. I'm Jim Morrison, and with us today, we have Josh Wallet, Principal at Wallet Solutions. We'll be discussing non-lender work and what appraisers can do to get that non-lender work during the current market. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Josh, you're one of our favorites, but for those of our listeners who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the industry and all that? Yeah, yeah. So I am a certified residential appraiser out of Colorado. I came into the industry through a friend, as many of us do, and and trained that way and then became a compliance manager, uh, then moved into consulting. So I do all types of consulting and our team works with appraisal firms, individual appraisers, AMCs, as well as education providers, regulators, even technology companies. So really a, a wide spectrum of services we provide. And uh, as, I, as I tell a lot of folks, it's just every day is different. It's just something different with every client. We sort of fit in. I'm sort of a different puzzle piece for different clients is, is sort of the way I figure it. Well, and I think that's how a lot of appraisers are. You know, they're having to do jack of all trades, Swiss Army knife, a little bit of everything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really focus on uh, compliance, compliance, whether it's for an AMC, whether it's appraisers complying with our standards, appraisers complying with methods and techniques. We look at regulatory issues. We look at standards issues. We look at even workflow issues. So we really uh, we try to be that jack of all trades for our clients and and really just kind of round out what maybe they don't have in uh, in their company. Well, that sounds great. So Josh, right now with the market slowing down how it is, a lot of appraisers are trying to figure out what to do with all their free time that can bring in money for their business. So non-lender work is a lot that's thrown out there. Like people are like, oh, we'll just get non-lender work. And it's, it's, it's harder than just saying, oh, I'll just go get that. Can you tell us a little bit about like what falls under non-lender work and what appraisers can do to try and get that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It, I think a lot of appraisers were overwhelmed with mortgage lending appraisal work, and they really didn't necessarily take time to pivot their practices to where they would do divorce work for attorneys, or they would work on tax rebuttal work, or you know, working with um, rebutting the the assessor's value, or you know, estate work, and they, they they didn't ever shift because they had plenty of work, and now that it's a little bit slower, we find that clients and, and other appraisal firms, they are now sort of saying, well, let me rework my website. Let me start doing IRS-related work. Let me start doing pre-purchase appraisals. Let me start doing this tax uh, rebuttal or pre-list. And, and it does take a slightly different skill set. It's not entirely different from what we do for mortgage appraisal work, but the client experience is very different. You are really having what I like to call a kitchen table talk with every one of your clients. It's a lot of handholding. It's a lot more uh, time and explanations, communicating with that client, figuring out what is the problem I'm solving? What are the expectations you should have? of me as an appraiser. Mortgage lender, they understand all the time. We're getting an appraisal from an appraiser. We know what this is. It's routine. We know what's going on. When a homeowner approaches you or even an accountant or an attorney who you think, well, they're professionals. They should know what's going on. They don't necessarily know what's happening with the appraisal process. What is the role of an appraiser? What should you ask and what should you not ask an appraiser to do or what can an appraiser and what cannot you know what can an appraiser not do so 
there is a lot more communication. In terms of getting the work, you hear from all different appraisers in different walks of life, in different places in their career, in different markets, and it's really a different experience. Sometimes I've seen people posting on social media, they say, hey, I mailed out letters and I got work. That's actually worked for me personally in the past. Others, you know, go to your chamber of commerce, networking events, get to know the attorneys in your area. My biggest sort of lead generating uh, advice is to talk with those real estate agents who you know from calling them over years and years and years or emailing them over years and years and years, talking to them because who do people go to when they have questions about their house? Generally, they go to their real estate agent that they know, even if they're not looking to list it. They're saying, oh my gosh, Julie, this is happening in my life. I have a life change and what do I do? And they say, oh, we'll go to Josh. Josh is an appraiser. He can help you, right? And, and I've communicated with Julie enough that I'm that top of mind appraiser. And that's really one of the biggest keys, real estate agent relationships, because they can't do everything for their clients and they're going to refer out to appraisers. They're going to refer out to accountants. They're going to refer out to attorneys. So if you're one of those go-to people, you can do it. And the other consideration is what types of you know, specific needs do these intended uses have? So let's speak appraiser, right? We have certain intended uses, right? Right. Well, I think that's a good point. You know, there's a lot of people who have sort of an adversarial relationship with some of these realtors. And you should realize that maybe in the future, these realtors can be giving you work. Right, right. You know, they can be giving you work. And even let's even pull back a little bit. They can be giving you good information all the time when you are performing appraisals. So when you have that good relationship and you ask them questions about that comparable sale, they're more willing to respond to you if you have that good relationship, right? And instead of, oh, that's Josh, I don't even want to talk to him. I'm not going <laughs> to answer his call. call. I'm not going to respond to his email, right? But then, of course, then you you get those referrals coming in. And uh, I think the other the, the other piece is, is not just how to get this work, but then you really do need to live up to the expectation that you know how to do this work. Uh, I, I talk to a lot of appraisers about taking classes that fulfill their needs for better expertise rather than fulfilling the need for a number of credits, right? So like, you know, non-lending appraisal class, right? Is that something you want to focus on rather than I need seven hours. So what do I have? And you take something unrelated to your market, unrelated to what you need, unrelated to what you're interested in learning more about, and it's useless. So why don't you take a class that's more useful? And, you know, we we talk about intended uses, intended users. We talk about all the, the assignment conditions. What what are all what are those balls of wax, the whole ball of wax that get pulled into an assignment when you take on an appraisal? that is going to be presented to the IRS at some point. There is, There are publications, there are documents, there are definitions of value. There's all of these assignment conditions and other assignment elements that, that are pulled in specifically pertaining to this type of work. We, we talk about tax rebuttal. Your jurisdiction may have certain definitions of value that are unique to your county or your state. And you need to know that. 
right? And you need to to really collect all that information. So I was part of a, an online Facebook post in, in an appraiser discussion group. And um, they, they were actually talking about this non-lending class. And someone said, oh my gosh, you don't need a class to figure out how to get this work. And and people came in defending, no, this is a good class. It's, you know, no, it's it's not about how to get the work necessarily, although we talk about that, but it's more of that technical piece because we have to remember when we're doing mortgage appraisal work, there are probably about four or five sets of eyes and about two computer systems looking at your work when it gets turned in. When you are doing this for all these different private reasons, tax rebuttal, pre-purchase, pre-listing, attorney work, they're just reading it for what it is. They don't know if you've made a mistake. They don't know if you followed proper methods and techniques until maybe the end where it goes to the IRS or the end when it goes to a courtroom. And now there are problems. You used the wrong definition of value. You used the wrong effective date. You didn't include X, Y, and Z in your report. These are all concerns you need. So a lot of people think I can go out and get the business. That's wonderful. They may have those salesmen, salesperson skills that are great, but you need to know the technical pieces of this type of work. Absolutely. Josh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to delve into more of the class that we're offering. We've got some exciting product news. Cubicasa, the floor plan app, has announced free floor plans are now available across the nation. The best part is it only takes five minutes at the property to complete a scan with no disto or measuring needed. In addition to the free version of floor plans now offered across the U.S., Cubicasa will also be making available ANSI-aligned digital GLA product for as low as $15 per scan, as well as expanded options you can configure the product to best meet your needs. To find out more or to get your free scans, visit cubicasa.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. And Josh, you started talking a little bit about the class. So we are offering a class for appraisers on non-lender work. And I really think this is a perfect CE for them to take right now. While things are slow, this is approved for seven hours of CE in in Colorado. So you can get your CE and learn how to do this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be in the Denver metro area. Really good population of appraisers in that area. So I think we'll probably get a good group of appraisers there. And there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, Sometimes it's as simple as things like the engagement letter. We look at the engagement letter in class and and we don't think of that as a need for, oh, you know, special skills I need to perform non-lending work. Well, you do need to know what should go into an engagement letter. So many times when we're doing mortgage work, it comes from the bank, it comes from the AMC, it comes from the financial institution. We never look think twice about it. We just simply look it over any any special unique requirements and so on. Well, we need to establish a lot in an assignment and typically it's handled in those order forms. But the moment we step outside of mortgage work, we need to know what is it and how can I in an organized way collect all that information I need. So we look at the engagement letter. It sounds so simple, but when you really dive into it, there's a lot of details you have to think about and it's not all about use path standards, the assignment elements. It's also about some of the more logistical and practical items that you need to collect on on any sort of assignment. So we take a look at that. We take a look at all of the documents. Are you saying that on situations like this, that the appraiser should actually be writing the letter that they're going to be signing for the engagement letter? Yes, yes. The the uh, the appraiser should. In some cases, you will get an engagement letter perhaps from an attorney. 
if that they are involved in the appraisal assignment, which doesn't always come up in these non-lending scenarios. So perhaps your client is the homeowner in certain scenarios, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a real estate agent, or maybe it is an attorney or an accountant or other party. So even when you get something from them, it could be an, a, you know, it could be called a contract, could be called an agreement. You're going to look it over and you think, well, okay, certainly I can agree to all these things, but this actually doesn't establish everything I need to know about my appraisal assignment. So then you probably will still pull in your own engagement letter and then establish all of those other missing pieces. I mean, you know, we can think of, you know, fee, we can think of due date, we can think of all these different things. Uh, but there, there's just a lot of details we need to collect. And, uh, you know, I, again, I think of it as a kitchen table talk, sitting down with them and making sure this is correct. Now, it might be a virtual kitchen table talk. Maybe maybe you're you're having, you know, a phone conversation or it's through emails or whatever it is, or maybe you literally do set up the time and you go to their house and you actually do sit at their kitchen table. But you you need to really sit down and it needs to come from you. And we actually we actually go through slide by slide and you get a handout of a sample engagement letter that that helps you you move through all of that. When when I see online discussion where people have literally fulfilled or performed an appraisal, but they haven't fulfilled the needs of their client. They didn't solve the right problem. I think you know what, this should have been taken care of in step one. And you didn't establish these assignment elements with them and you you solved literally the wrong problem in some cases. So it's pretty important, even though it seems like it should be simple. It, in fact, it, it is simple if you do it right from, from stage one. Right. And so we're going to teach everybody or you're going to teach everybody how to do all that. It's once again, it's February 17th, 2023. That's from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. It's $149, and it's at the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. And that's a seven-hour CE course. It's at the uh, Denver Metro Association of Realtors. So maybe you're going to run into some potential clients right after the show or after the, the class. You never know. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll take a look at everything from the engagement letter to all the assignment conditions, all of the specifics about each type. We're going to walk through each type of these uh, non-lending assignments through tax rebuttal, pre-purchase, pre-listing, divorce, estate, and IRS related. They each have their own nuanced differences, and we'll take a look at each one. Well, that sounds so great. We're going to take another quick break for a commercial message. The Dictionary of Real Estate Appraisal 7th Edition is a landmark text that reflects the depth and breadth of appraisal knowledge. Each entry, definition, and reference has been painstakingly researched and designed to reflect an expert understanding of the issues that currently impact the profession. The new dictionary is an essential authoritative resource for all appraisers. To purchase, visit appraisalinstitute.org dictionary seven. Welcome back, everyone. And Josh, you're doing something else with us in January. On January 24th, you're hosting a webinar, uh, Making New Year's Plans Op- Operational and Regulatory Compliance for AMCs. This is a little bit of a different audience for this, but this is anybody can join. If there's appraisers out there that want to see how the sausage is made, they can join and, and figure that out. But tell us a little bit about this webinar that we're that we're putting on on January 24th. Yeah, I'm really excited about this webinar. I have a really large spectrum of client types. So we provide services to appraisers, whether it's mentoring, whether it's workflow, whether it's just taking a look at technical you know, adjustments, things like that. We also 
provide services to AMCs. And it, and it can be as simple as assisting in, in the preparation of renewals and then really digging down into more technical pieces like policies and procedures, training, taking a look at assessments. Uh, we have uh, all, all sorts of uh, different assessments that we perform on AMCs. Um, oftentimes, their clients require that these are performed so that they actually see that policies and procedures are actually being carried out, right? It's wonderful to have them on the written page, but are they actually happening, right? So that's really what we take a look at with AMCs. You know, there are times when either I or one of our uh, subject matter expert uh, consultants, uh, we have Pam Teal, Chris Shoemaker and Wes McDaniel, uh, they they will also provide services to AMCs. We'll sit down and have a monthly meeting with the AMC leadership team and make sure, do we have questions on compliance, on regulations, on uh, different workflows, different, uh, it could be related to appraiser compensation. It could be related to revisions. Uh, it could be related to different security issues or uh, vendor engagement, engaging appraisers. What is the the, what's the process they're following, right? And then reviews and quality control. So we really take a look at a lot and we are finding that we'll sort of happen upon a client. They contact us partway through the year and they've got some problems, especially now we're noticing AMCs are uh, changing a lot of staff. They have a lot of staff turnover. They're changing maybe how they're structured, who's doing what, and there is sort of this missing puzzle piece. They say, well, oh my gosh, now we're, we're lacking some of this, this expertise. We're lacking some of this uh, in terms of um, bandwidth to actually get some things done. You know, we're eight, nine, 10 months into the year and they're trying to finish something by year end. So what we're finding is if we actually plan with AMCs a yearly plan, it works out a lot better for them. And so that's why we're trying to do this at the beginning of the year, say, look, Plan your new year for success, not catching up later on down further in in the calendar. So that's really what we're we're trying to trying to accomplish. That's such and a good policy. And I, I remember always in college, it was like, oh, you got the syllabus at the beginning of the year, but you waited until the final <laughs> to be like, oh, I've got to do all this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We have the answers. We know what needs to happen, right? It just you need to plan it out. For for example, uh, one of the good examples is training. Right. The, the, the state regulators require certain types of training for AMCs for their staff and for sometimes very certain roles within, within that group of staff. And then even more, the clients, the lenders have a lot more requirements for AMCs. I mean, if you look at it, you might have five or six large requirements from the state regulators. And then you look and you say, Oh my gosh, we have 30 or 40 requirements from lenders if you really take a detailed look they they require a lot more than the state regulators and so we we try to take a look and you know again training is one example uh, do they have you know do they have USPAT training under their belt for those specific roles that require it uh, do they have compliance training in general do they have revisions and valuation independence training do they have some sort of security training UDAAP ECOA Fair Housing Act, all of these are required at some level. And um, we find that when we assist clients and and uh, when we're we're approached by some, some AMCs, they don't necessarily have training records. And usually it's because perhaps they haven't gotten them done or they haven't done a good job of documenting it. Maybe they have done some of that training. They just don't have it, it documented to where they can show a client or a state regulator. Yes, we have done it. 
Right. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we, we help in a lot of different respect. If you were to sit in at a meeting or at my desk for one AMC client, it will look night and day for, to another uh, AMC client because there's just different uh, skill sets and there's sort of that different vacuum or hole, if you will, in, in each company's operation. So we try to fill in as needed as our skill set allows. Well, Josh, we're really so excited for these upcoming sessions. You're always such a fountain of knowledge. It's such a pleasure listening to you speak. <laughs> I'm really excited for these two these two events. So thanks for the opportunities. And we're going to put up the links to how to, to sign up for each of them on the screen. But just to repeat for everybody, we have the non-lending appraisals class in, in Denver, Colorado. If you go to appraisalbuzz.com slash events, You'll see it right there, but we'll put up the link for that. And also you can join Josh's Buzz webinar, Making New Plans, Operational Regulatory Compliance for AMCs. And we'll include the link in the discussion and recap. Thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. All right. And thanks to our listeners and thanks to our subscribers for helping us put this on. If you have any comments or would like to be included in a future Appraisal Buzzcast, reach out to us at comments at appraisalbuzz.com. Thanks and have a great day.